two more arrests last night, seven now arrested in all, but five suspects are still on the loose in the beating of two police officers outside a Times Square migrant shelter. Should those suspects be deported? Governor Hochul was asked. I think that's absolutely something that should be looked at. I mean, if someone commits a crime against a police officer in the state of New York um, and they're not, you know, they've not processed, they're not here legally, definitely worth checking into. Well, joining us live with a closer look at the legal aspects of this case, Michael Bachner, defense attorney and former Manhattan prosecutor. Michael, good to have you here. Okay, so to the governor's uh, statement there, is assaulting an officer an offense that could lead to deportation? Yes, absolutely. Um, under New York state law, uh, the section under which these individuals were charged, Penal Law Section 120.05, sub 3, um, is uh, assault in the second degree, uh, which is committing uh, an assault against the law enforcement individual amongst other people. It is a violent felony under New York state law. Um, and under uh, the uh, immigration situation, it is considered a crime, in my opinion, of moral turpitude as well as an aggravated felony, which would subject these individuals to deportation. Um, so what really is going to happen is, uh, as soon as they come into custody, uh, their fingerprints should be given over to ICE, because although New York's a sanctuary a city, uh, violent felonies are not subject to those protections. Um, and a hold, that is a, an immigration detainer, will be placed against them. So after they do their time, assuming they get jail time, and frankly, given the facts of this case, you don't want to be presumptuous, and I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, come to conclusions before I know the evidence. But from what I'm seeing, uh, these guys should go to jail, and they should get some significant jail time. Uh, under that section, uh, they're looking at a mandatory minimum of two years uh, and a maximum of seven years. Once they're released, uh, immigration will pick them up. ICE, uh, as they're known, will pick them up. Uh, and they will be held, um, probably without bail, and subject to removal from the country. Okay, so uh, just to be clear, first you have a case presumably brought by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, and then separately there would uh, this case would go before an immigration court, two different things? That's correct. Okay. Um, first they do their time in the, uh, in the state court. And even if this were a federal crime, first you do your time, um, and then you're subject to deportation. Um, so you go from, you finish your, whatever the sentence is in the original proceeding, you are then taken over to essentially federal custody, um, where you're held um, in an immigration hole, and you're then entitled to, you know, litigate those things if you'd like, if you think you have any type of defense um, to the to the removal from the country. And then that separate proceeding would result in uh, in removal. Okay, so two separate cases, and then uh, what do we look? What would they be looking at if convicted? Um, you know, not just uh, in the courts here, but in an immigration court. Uh, what what do the penalties tend to be in terms of jail time? Well, in, in an immigration court, they would be assuming that they're held without bail, which I think is likely. Um, they would be held pending. They have two choices. They can either consent to being removed, which means things would be expedited, they'd get out of here quicker. Um, or if they decide that they're going to fight the case and claim that the conviction for which they have doesn't subject them to removal, they might be held in custody during the entire time of that litigation, which could be a year, could be two years, depending on, on the litigation. Uh, and, uh, and that's going to be the issue. Mm -hmm. They were probably going to argue that being deported back to their home country would subject them to violence, to perhaps political issues, 
torture, et cetera, and that therefore they shouldn't be removed. That is likely what they're going to raise. Um, but, you know, you attack cops in the city of New York or, in any, or any place, uh, and you show that that kind of, assuming they are guilty of these, and I don't mean to be presumptuous, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, but assuming these facts to be true, um, you're showing a disrespect for the rule of law in a country in which you're trying to get courtesy and help. Um, these are not the immigration courts generally will hold. These are not the types of people we need here. We need people who want to be law-abiding. Whether you're here legally or not, be law-abiding. And if you can't be law-abiding and you attack the very symbol of law and order in our country, which causes anarchy and chaos if you do this, cops trying to do their job, we don't need you here. That's generally what the courts will hold. Mm. And before we go, who pays for the defense of any of the suspects who, as you know, we've been talking about, could potentially be deported? Well, open up a checkbook, as we do. Um, people who can't afford lawyers under our Constitution, and, and frankly, it's the right thing to do. Everyone's entitled to counsel. The taxpayer ends up footing the bill for people who can't afford it. Now, there are, there are entities that provide pro bono defense for people who have immigration issues, people who believe firmly in the rights of um, people to, who are immigrants to be protected and to have their rights uh, um, upheld, and they, and they do perform um, pro bono. That is free um, type of work. And uh, so it's possible they can get free representation. Michael Bachner, defense attorney, former Manhattan prosecutor. Michael, we thank you for your insights.